This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. This episode of the 31 Days of Horror is presented thanks to our patrons. Patrons like Rushab Shukla, Kathy Robinson, Michelle Davis, Shane, Guillermo, Karen Austin, Jason Holmes, Dylan Hansen, Stephen Harness, Rachel Berger, Angel Sanchez, and Slade Rankin. Not only do our patrons get early access during the 31 Days of Horror, but depending on their reward level, they also get sticker sets, additional bonus episodes, water bottles, or even hoodies. Please check out how you can support the podcast and get rewarded at patreon.com slash creepypod. And stay tuned after today's episode for a trailer from the new podcast, Who Killed Julie? Subscribe, review, do whatever you can to support a great cause. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous chilling and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents The 31 Days of Horror Day 20 Broadcast Interruption You might already have heard of the TV broadcast hijacking in Seneca, South Carolina. Stories gain pretty wide currency on the internet. Part of the broadcast is available on YouTube. Assuming it hasn't been taken down for whatever reason. For the uninitiated, the Seneca hijacking is one of the lesser-known broadcast signal intrusions. It was big news here, but the nation news media barely touched on it. Anyway, I've decided to jot down my impressions of the whole thing. Even though other eyewitnesses have already described it more eloquently than I could. I was home on winter break when it happened, making chemistry flashcards in front of the TV. No one else was around. After watching the umpteenth Law & Order rerun, I got bored and started channel surfing. A couple minutes later, I stumbled onto this shitty public access channel where, bizarrely enough, my old high school Latin teacher was reciting a poem while wearing this dorky three-cornered hat. I watched for a few minutes and had a good laugh. I remembered him as a pretty serious guy, not the sort of person who'd embarrass himself in public like this. When suddenly there was this staticky crackle 
the screen cut to this multicolored test pattern. Before I had time to change the channel, there's another crackle and this weird cartoon shows up on the screen. The animation style was detailed, but kind of jiggly and rough. It reminded me of those old anti-drug PSAs. Anyway, it seemed normal enough at first. An ordinary looking middle class family eating breakfast together at a round kitchen table. There was a mom with an old fashioned hairdo. A dad, two cherub faced kids, a boy and a girl. All very Norman Rockwell. The family's making banal small talk. The dad complains about his day at the office. Kids prattle on about soccer practice and so on. Gradually, though, the scene starts to get slightly sinister. The green light is seeping through the open window. The family starts to acquire a jaundiced, unhealthy look. Their skin changes color and their eyes become sunken. In the background, a droning radio broadcast slowly becomes perceptible. The announcer gives the date as November 15, 2018 and starts to go on and on about some strange crisis. You can barely hear what he's saying. He says something about a green light, melting flesh, mutations, strange shapes emerging from the sea. Again and again the phrase, report to the nearest shelter immediately, is audible. Still, the family keeps eating breakfast as if nothing was happening. And here's where it gets really macabre. The family finishes eating breakfast and the mom loads the kids into a minivan. By now they look really unhealthy. Their bodies are skeletally thin. The whites of their eyes are a sickly yellowish color and their hair is disheveled. The car drives through a landscape bathed in the green glow from before. Strange shapes bob in and out of the screen, but you can't quite tell what they are and all the buildings the car passes look weathered and deserted. Finally, the car stops at a playground and the mom drops off the kids before driving away. There are large, odd-colored rocks all over the ground, and moaning can be heard in the distance. The kids hang mirthlessly on the monkey bars for a while. Eventually, the camera pans over the playground, and you see that the rocks littering the ground aren't rocks at all, but naked human forms horribly disfigured. They seem to be either growing into or from the ground. I can't say which. And they are very much alive. Behind the monkey bars, a tree can be seen with a human face growing from the trunk. Its features are writhing and contorted in agony. The scene suddenly shifts to a white-collar office where the children's father is stooped over a desktop typing away. His features are as sunken and diseased as that of the other family members, and the office is covered in a green glow. In the other cubicles, fleshless corpses sit upright at their desks, frozen in death. Finally, we see the family return home for the evening, walking through the front door together. Their skin is no longer simply jaundiced, but actually melting off dripping from their outstretched arms and running down their faces in drops. As they are literally falling to pieces, 
The family sits down in the dining room and begins wordlessly to eat dinner. Their flesh becomes more and more amorphous, ribbons of skin dangling from their bodies like the tendrils of an octopus. I can barely describe it. But they somehow begin to merge with the chairs they're seated on, or rather, their skin grows over them. By now, their skin has a consistency of melted ice cream, and they're barely recognizable as human, except for their eyes, which somehow remain intact. The camera zooms closer and closer to the table, and finally their eyes all move directly towards the camera, conveying a feeling of unfathomable sadness. The screen goes black and large white letters appear on the screen. Report to the nearest shelter immediately. Remaining at private residences is strictly prohibited. With that, the screen turned to static. I stared in stunned silence for a few minutes before the banal local channel switched back on. And that's all I know, really. I almost thought I was dreaming until the paper reported the story the next day. God knows what really happened. A ridiculous elaborate prank? An ill-advised viral marketing campaign? The crazier parts of the internet have their own theories. There's a piece of Julie McLemore that lives on in every single one of us in this town. A piece of her that refuses to die. Sometimes I wonder where this community would be if it weren't for the story she left behind. Julie disappeared in December of 2013. Her body wasn't found for almost two years. And what authorities found shocked even their most experienced investigators. Who Killed Julie will begin broadcasting on your favorite podcatcher. Are you there? Subscribe today and don't miss a second of Julie's story. Please pick up. Our story. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, Please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at CreepyPod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at CreepyPastaWikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved, unless otherwise stated.
Item number SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing. Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.